his family to safety. The thought of God covering our sins, one with God. Paul often calls upon this metaphor and Jesus being our sin offering. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, For our sake he made him to be sin, to be a sin offering, whom knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul tells us in Romans 8 and 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of our weakness, of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. The next would have been the Passover lamb sacrifice. They would have thought about the Passover lamb, that lamb, that innocent lamb. It was to be without defect. It was to be flawless. A sacrifice that had to be completely consumed at the Passover time. It was either all or nothing. You had to completely consume this sacrifice. A sacrifice that was spread along the door frame along the door so the Israelites could escape death and destruction, one that afforded them an exodus, an escape from bondage. The Apostle John breaks Christ into his ministry with him declaring, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Peter continues this in 1 Peter 1 and 19. With the precious blood as the lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Jesus paints himself as the Passover lamb. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Christ continues the Passover theme in his own announcement at the Last Supper as his followers are going to symbolically eat of his body. In John 6 and 35, Christ tells the mob who has come across the sea, they're following the Jesus buffet and the miracle show, and Jesus says this to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. And the crowd becomes a, a little bit anxious at that part, but they totally freak out when he gets down to verse 53 and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. These people know the Passover story. They know what Christ is implying here. He is the new Passover lamb. He is the way to escape bondage and sin. He is the exodus. 
You see, Exodus was the followers who painted his door with the blood of the Passover lamb and then consumed it entirely. Christ declares, when you consume me, I will raise you up. I will protect you from death on that last day, on that day of judgment. Then we have the covenant sacrifice. This metaphor of sacrifice would have brought to mind the covenant, the fellowship sacrifice that we see in Exodus 24. A covenant which was much deeper than the thought of a contract. You see, in our idea, we sometimes mistaken a covenant with a contract, and they're not at all the same. You see, a contract says... If, if group entity X uh, produces something for entity Y or a service, then Y will pay entity X for the service. But as soon as they don't produce, as soon as the services rendered aren't adequate, well, then Y tells X, I'm not going to pay you. And then X says, well, if you're not going to pay me, that I'm no longer going to do that for you. And suddenly the contract is broken. But a covenant's different. A covenant is when, is when it endures. Even when one side breaks the covenant. You're familiar with that. We hear it all the time in weddings, right? In sickness and in death or sickness and in health, it forgives. It's, it's a condition, not by humanity's idea of fairness, but God's character of grace and mercy. That's a covenant. A covenant with God persists even when we don't. In a covenant with God, he holds to his people more than he hold, than the people hold to him. Do you grasp that? Think about that for just a moment. In a covenant with God, God holds to us even when we're not holding on to God. You see, the Israelites failed to keep the commandments, right? They failed to keep them over and over again, but yet God, in his mercy and his love, held on to the covenant and fulfilled his promise to bring the Messiah, salvation to the world, through his Son, right? God bless. Thank goodness. Thank God that he holds to the covenant even when we don't. Christ carries this metaphor directly when he tells the twelve, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Then Peter continues with this in 1 Peter 1 and 2, to those who reside as aliens who were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Certainly, Peter is calling upon the covenant metaphor when he reminds us of the sprinkling of the blood. 
that covenant picture where Moses sprinkled blood on the people for Israel. Moses, the deliverer, is calling for people to obey the law and enter into a covenant that would put them in God's presence. And Christ, our deliverer, calls us to obey and enter into a covenant of grace and peace. Well, next, we have ransom and redemption. When you think of ransom, at least for me, I always think of, of uh, someone being kidnapped, someone being taken away. Someone makes a wrong choice and they turn down a street or an alleyway and a great big van draws up and someone grabs that person and throws them into the van and they kidnap them and they take some take them somewhere, and they mistreat them, and they abuse them, and the person lose all their rights and value. And then a call is made. I'll return this person for X. And then a ransom is paid, and that person is then brought back to their first loves, right? Or how about redemption? When I think of redemption, I always think of a coupon, right? Out in my car right now, and don't run out and get them, okay, because the car's unlocked. In the glove compartment, Rick, there are Sonic coupons for cherry limeades and ice cream cones. And there's about 20 of them. Somebody gave us a whole bunch of them, and I just keep them in there. So, you know, when I'm feeling down and out, I just go to Sonic and get me a little lift up. But I got to tell you, those little coupons, you can take them and stick them to your tongue. And they're not real good. They don't really have any value. It's just a piece of paper. That is until you take it back to the creator of the ice cream and the cherry limeades. Then, when you redeem that coupon, then it's got value. Then it's some really good stuff. That's how we enter into these thoughts this morning. But again, the Jewish mind... When the metaphor of ransom and redemption was talked about by the New Testament writers, it would have invoked a, a deliverance of, from Egypt, uh, being in bondage, being a slave, uh, a life of almost value exi valueless existence, and then to be redeemed and be a child of God. Could you imagine that? One day, you're valueless. Someone has you in bondage and they're mistreating you. The Israelites were in bondage and they were beaten and they were mistreated and they were overworked and they were burdened with every burden imaginable. And then just in a few days of ransom, God comes in and ransoms them. And they, they walk out of Egypt with almost all the gold we miss that sometimes. God redeems them and they pillage Egypt of all their gold. And then they cross a sea and they're on the other side and they're no longer even in danger of the enemy. And the next thing you know, they come to Mount Sinai and they're literally in the presence of God. And they've been chosen as God's people. They've been ransomed. So therefore, the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. This is God speaking. 
I will bring you out from under burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm with great judgments. And certainly the Israel's mind, the Jewish mind in the first century would have gone to the book of Hosea. Hosea took a wife, a harlot named Gomer. He took Gomer in even though she was a harlot and and he gave her love and affection, children and honor. But it wasn't long until Gomer went back to her old ways of harloting. She gave other lovers her affection. She looked for other lovers to provide her value, to provide her wealth. And she squanders her life down until she, till she's a slave. And that's where Hosea finds her, on the auction block. A slave, a bondage for her greed, for her selfishness, for her lust, for her adultery. That's where Hosea finds her. And Hosea does just exactly what God does. He buys her back. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. I don't want you to miss this. Exodus 21 and 32 tells us the price of a slave is 30 shekels of silver. And Hosea doesn't have that. So he offers everything he has, 15 shekels of silver and the food off of his table, everything he has to win her back. Do you see the imagery there. Gomer's story is our story. It's humanity's story. We, like Gomer, have given our affection and our love to others, to the love of money, to the love of power, to the love of popularity. We've sought value in our titles and in our prestige. We have adulterated ourselves with pleasures of addiction and escapism. And while Hosea ransomed and redeemed Gomer, Christ ransoms and redeems us from the bondage of sin and death. Listen to these scriptures as it paints a picture of Ransom and redemption for mankind. Jesus declares himself a ransom for many. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Paul tells Timothy, He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time time. It was on the cross that, Barbara, you were redeemed. Ransomed away from Satan and bondage, David, at just the right time. Paul is speaking about immorality here with the Corinthians church when he says this, 
Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is, you, uh, who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Do we conceptualize that, that we're not our own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Paul reminds us that, we've, that a ransom has been paid, that our redemption price has been paid for all time. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I am worthy. But the truth is, the truth is I never really belonged to the kidnapper in the first place. The truth is I belong to my creator. I never belong to the kidnapper who stole me away and put me into bondage. I, like you, have been led astray by Satan who kidnaps us and makes us slaves to sin and to guilt. But Andrea, on the cross, Christ changed all that. He sets me free. He ransoms me away from sin and death. He redeems me as a child of God, giving me value and giving me a purpose in life, providing me a way to enter into a love relationship with this triune God for all eternity. i got to tell you, I really believe that we were created with the end game of being in an eternal relationship, a love relationship with God. And that's what the cross has done for us. It's provided me, Keith Castleman, this imperfect, unpure guy, a way to enter into this relationship. You see, this is the gospel story. Christ gave himself as a perfect sacrifice, ransoming and redeeming us for eternal life with him. What a beautiful metaphor. What a beautiful truth. Amen? I don't know where you are this morning in your life. I don't know where your spiritual need is. But if you have one, these front chairs are for you. If that's too intimidating, there'll be at least one loving, kind elder at the back today. And you can pray with them or tell them your spiritual need. This is a family of sinners who are made saints in Jesus Christ. I pray that you might know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. If you have a need, come now as we sing. Thank you for.